automakers face challenges devoting their capital and R&D efforts in powertrain development. On this week's show, Ford's Vice President of Powertrain Engineering lays out the company's future strategy. Underwriting for the production of Autoline this week has been provided by Borg Warner. The world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. No matter what the mode of transportation, there is always the need for an efficient propulsion system. And that's exactly what Borg Warner has been doing since the earliest days of the automotive industry. We create innovative mobility technologies that reduce energy consumption and emissions while improving performance. Our proven track record has made us an industry leader in forward-looking propulsion solutions for combustion, hybrid, and electric vehicles. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today we're going to talk about powertrains, engines, transmissions, the whole thing that makes cars go, and what a time in the industry. Internal combustion engines, battery electrics, plug-ins, hybrids, fuel cells. And we've got an expert to talk about it today because David Philippe, the vice president of powertrain at the Ford Motor Company, is joining us on the show. And great to have you here. Happy to be here, John. Thank you. Also joining us today, Henry Payne, the car critic with the Detroit News, and Frank Marcus with Motor Trend. Great having the both of you here, too. It's a pleasure. Yeah, good to be here. David, let's get into it. Uh, I'm curious. How do you, as the vice president of powertrain at Ford, figure out what to do? I mean, internal combustion engines, I don't think are going away anytime that soon, oh, but you got to put all this effort into battery electric vehicles, plug-in technology, potentially fuel cells. We'll get into more of that detail, too. How do you figure out how to balance where your efforts go? It's, uh, these are incredible times. Uh, we have so much that we're working on. Like you mentioned, uh, even electrification company, battery electric vehicles. Um, that's a great area that we've played in before, and we were accelerating our plan. We've announced we're going to spend $11 billion in more electrified product. Um, but at the same time, the ICE world, we are so busy. There is so much going on in ICE. We continue to invest in ICE for its capabilities because it's important in our portfolio. And within Ford, our strategy has been over the years the power of choice because we want to offer all of these powertrain options to the customers and let them decide. Right? And we've done that in the past, and it's worked out very well. So I have so many engineers who are just so happy to be working all these technologies, be it electrification, ICE. We've got new transmissions that we're launching. So these are great times or fun times to be an engineer at Ford. Well, and, and, and Dave, I just uh, came back from a Formula E race uh, up in uh, New York. It's, it's, uh, uh, that, that series, it's a, it's a new series. A lot of manufacturers getting involved in that. Uh, uh, powertrain guys love to be in racing mm. because you, it, it, it forces engineering, it accelerates engineering. Uh, you, uh, Ford's been such a great company yep. in developing uh, engineering through their race programs at Le Mans with the Ford GT and NASCAR running the Ford uh, Fusion there. Uh, how do you guys see uh, electric racing right now? Is that an interest at all, of interest at all? Well, first of all, like you highlighted, our racing um, has been great for us over the years. Um, and NASCAR, for example, or even now, um, we've had some great success this year. And we do use um, those race events to really help us stretch the technology, understand how far it could go. Um, we are continuing to focus on our current race strategy, but we're always so open and exploring what's new out there. And the Formula E is a new area. It's growing. 
Um, we need to see how and when it makes sense for us as well. But in the meantime, we're so busy with our race series that we have right now, and uh, we're focused on winning those with the great products and stretching the technology. Yeah. Guys, like you have to have your crystal ball uh, gazing uh, always on. Uh, do you see that there's been kind of a popular wisdom that cars will go to electric 20, 30 years, all electric. But I've been doing some research on some zero carbon liquid fuels that give me some hope that IC engines might have a permanent seat at the table, even in, in lighter duty vehicles, uh, especially for northern climates where electric isn't mm. great. What do, what do you see uh, in that? And are you guys working on any of those zero uh, carbon fuels and so forth. Um, our research area is looking at that. We're always exploring that. You know, for me, um, it's the crystal ball. Everyone's got a different view of the crystal ball out there. Um, as a powertrain engineer today, um, it's, these are great times because we continue to add these technologies to the portfolio. So if it's electrification, if it's battery electric vehicles, I know there's a lot of debates as to how much penetration and what the mix is going to be. To me, it's a great add. and. We are providing these offerings, these power of choice to the customers, and let them decide, right? And it all depends on how you execute and deliver these powertrains. Um, we've had a great success story um, since 2009 with our EcoBoost development, right? We, we came out with EcoBoost, and we highlighted that it was an, an and solution, meaning it delivers fuel economy and performance and great drivability. So as we offer these technologies, if there's more of an and solution, that'll that'll drive the pull for the customers, right? And then our, our, you know, our strategy will align with that. So I think that's, and our, we, we produce a lot of EcoBoosts today. Um, in our F-150s, for example, 70% 70, 70 of the mix is EcoBoost engines. So we will adapt the volumes in our, 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 our delivery in or around the customer pull in the marketplace. So it's great that we, again, we have this portfolio of powertrains that the customers could take in the future. I'm not sure what the exact crystal ball numbers are going to be in the 10, 15 years from now, but ICE is still going to be predominant, um, but we know electrification is coming at hand, and we're going to be delivering that as well. There's a lot of people predicting that the internal combustion engine or ICE will go away by 2030 or 2040, some are saying. There are cities in Europe that are banning internal combustion yep. engines from the city center. China's talking about banning them entirely in the country, I think, by 2040. Right. How much life do you see in the internal combustion engine? Well, I think it does have a lot of life still um, globally. Um, and we, we for do support the environmental standards getting tighter and tighter. Um, and it does, it does provide a glide path for us to take the ICE engines and make them better. Right, be it with after treatment, with base engine technologies, be it control systems that we have available today that we didn't have in the past to make those engines and powertrains more efficient in a number of ways. So I think those standards will help push the ICE technologies to better levels. Um, but on the flip side, we've got electrification coming too, which ICE does complement. A number of you have ICE power packs combined with electrification, and then you have the BEV category. So. I think the, uh, the, the standards globally, as they tighten up, that's great. We support that. Um, but it will drive the technologies into the ICE architectures to make them better. And the ICE guys love it, right, because they, you have the ICE diehards that just want to make the ICE better and better as time goes on. And we've done that over the years, and we'll continue to do that. Mm -hmm. well, and, uh, Dave, one of the things that's intriguing, too, about the battery is uh, the, the U.S. public was first introduced to it through the Toyota Prius, through a, uh, through a green car. But 
as, as uh, time has gone on, uh, increasingly you see electrification used for performance. Mm. Uh, a lot of supercars out there these days mm. are now complementing their ICAE engines uh, with, with battery packs to make them go uh, faster. Uh, you mentioned EcoBoost. I mean, do you, do you see a transition where um, manufacturers are increasingly using battery packs for horsepower boost the way they've always used turbocharging? Mm. So um, electrification is just a, such a dynamic area. Um, and I think historically, um, no, first of all, we are like number two in the marketplace for electrified programs in North America, right? So we have a lot of knowledge there. And historically, um, a lot of electrification has been used to focus on fuel economy, right? Which is great, and it can be very focused on fuel economy. But what you're highlighting is that you could take electrification and you could turn it into performance as well. And some of our competitors have done that. They've done a very nice job. Yeah, instant so, torque. Instant torque because it, it is right there. There's, you know, it's great when you have that drivability. Um, so it's great that electrification is becoming an and solution. It could provide great CO2 and fuel economy range. It could provide performance and drivability. The other element, and we've announced within Ford, um, we're, we're going to take and put a hybrid in our F-150. All right, and our F-150... And this is, is a plug-in hybrid, it, right? It's going to be a, a full hybrid. And, and uh, like anything else, our F-150 is, is a great product because it's a tool for our customers. So much versatility and usage. We're going to take a hybrid F-150 and turn that into a tool and turn that into a work tool. Mm -hmm. And in, for example, we could provide an onboard generator with mm -hmm. the hybrid. So again, it becomes an and solution. It's gonna have great drivability, great fuel economy, and it's gonna be a tool as an onboard generator for the customer. The truck is an interesting uh, comparison there because your competitors at Ram are doing 48 volt mild hybrid. And of course, Mercedes-Benz has gone all in on a lot of 48 volt mild hybrid. Do you see any future for that at Ford? Or are you all uh, in the full hybrid um, we, we have a lot of programs on 48 volt. That's primarily in Europe. It makes a lot of more sense right now in Europe for their CO2 delivery, and especially if the headwinds that they have on diesel, um, we're seeing the declines in diesel take rates. So 48 volt is a good alternative there. Um, in North America, we have been looking at it. We continue to look at it, um, but we've, ta we've taken more of a leap now to go to the full hybrid, right? Because it does provide a more of an and solution, like I mentioned earlier. So. Uh, we're going to be going to that in our F-150 as we announced, and it's going to be a great tool for the customers and much of an enhanced solution. I'm glad you raised diesels. Ford recently launched a diesel, and it's uh, F-150. Uh, diesels in passenger cars don't seem to be going anywhere in the U.S. market. In pickup trucks, they're doing great. Uh, how do you see the, the future for diesel overall? But tell us a little bit about that F-150 diesel, too. F-150 diesel is, is phenomenal. Uh, we announced earlier this year, and we're, we're, we're shipping product today. We announced earlier this year we're going to deliver 30 miles per gallon on the highway. So who could have imagined years back a 30-mile-per-gallon highway pickup truck? Um, but it's our combination of the diesel engine with a 10-speed transmission and the aluminum vehicle that we put together that delivers that right recipe to get 30. And can we assume that you've had a lot of committees checking the work on the emissions on that? We're not going to have so, any surprises no, on that one? No, we, we have a tremendous track record and experience with diesels across the globe and as well as North America. We have our Super Duty diesel we've had in the marketplace. Um, we have been working this year with our, um, our colleagues in the EPA and CARB um, to explain, because they are asking more questions now, I understand, 
Um, and we've been very transparent, and they've been satisfied that they did give us a certification to proceed. They are checking more, and I'm all about continuous improvement, so we will do that as, as time moves on. But it's a, it's a, it's a technology that works. Um, I was at a dealer event a couple months ago in Dallas, and the dealers were saying, please send us the, deal, uh, the diesel. We, our customers really want that diesel powertrain in the F-150. So it's hitting the market right now. It's, it's being well-received. We're hitting the 30 miles per gallon. We're compliant with the regulatory requirements, and uh, we're just going to have more fun with it as time goes on. Is that the only bright future for diesels, pickups in the U.S.? Um, in light-duty vehicles? I, I think, it, again, we need to put the diesels where it makes sense um, in the lineup. And, it, it, again, the diesel is a workhorse for towing and for, for range on fuel economy when you're towing. So in trucks like the F-150 and the Super Duty, it makes a lot of sense. It, you know, it, but it does seem like such a shame. I mean, governments are trendy. In the last 20 years, uh, European governments were favoring diesels. You know, you, you had, uh, they, they were, they were, uh, it was good for CO2. Yeah, they were taxed favorably. There, there was, and, and back to the racing piece, there was a tremendous amount of development going yep. into Le Mans with the high-end uh, 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 diesels, hybrid diesels mm -hmm. going into, uh, uh, you guys didn't, didn't do any of that, but, uh, but with yep, Porsche, with Audi. Mm -hmm. And so you had a tremendous diesel development and now it just hits a, a regulatory wall. But is there a way to salvage that? I mean, do you see uh, that maybe diesel can continue in uh, in, in uh, passenger cars with that with all the engineering development that we've gotten in the last couple of decades? So the diesels um, have gotten a lot of attention. Um, the marketplace is shifting, particularly in Europe. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, we support the environmental improvements, and we have new diesels that we've been launching and continue to develop that have better emission standards capability and so on. We'll continue to do that. The marketplace, in particular in passenger cars in Europe, they've been moving quite down on the diesel take rate. But at the same time, what we're doing is we're looking at the rest of our portfolio because we still have to deliver the CO2. Um, I mentioned earlier, 48 volt is a good is a good play, and that's that's going to be increasing in our mix. Our petrol engines in Europe um, and globally are, are fantastic. We continue to upgrade and deliver great CO2 there. And then in Europe, um, in general, for uh, I think for a number of the OEMs, I think the electrification is coming now, right? Because before they were heavily focused on the diesel, this is the window for electrification in Europe. So I still think we're going to have. Um, the right answers on diesels. I still think they're going to fit in the lineup, be it for trucks or commercial vehicles around the world. Um, but on passenger cars, obviously, we're seeing some shifts in the customer base in which they're asking more for electrified products and battery electric vehicles. So we're ready to respond to that, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Speaking of battery electrics, how do you get the cost down? I mean, I, I've driven just about every electric car that's out there. I love them. It's a different driving experience. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be a challenge in range anxiety, but an infrastructure is getting built out to, mm -hmm. to recharge it. But it seems to me the real challenge for the industry is how do you make money on these cars? Because right now everyone's losing a lot of money on right. every electric car they sell. Um, the battery system is an incredible technology. So I don't know if you gentlemen have had a chance to, you know, tear some open, right? Um, so a number of OEMs are out there with these with, with the supplier partners on the world of batteries. And if you've ever been to a battery plant, there's significant investment there as well. So it is a, a, a higher cost technology. Um, and a number of OEMs are working on it, but we've been down this journey before at Ford, right? We started this journey called EcoBoost, right? And, and in the old days, in the 90s, uh, we had turbochargers out there, or high-pressure fuel systems, and uh, they were more of niche technologies, relatively high cost. 
And what's made Ford successful, and even our aluminum in the F-150, for example, is we're able to take um, technology, bring it to scale, work with our supplier partners, and get the cost effectiveness and the value to the customers. And that's a strategy I think maybe other OEMs are trying to do with batteries as well. We're doing the same, and we're making really great progress. So we're really, really looking forward to our, our battery rollout plan. Um, we have a team within Ford called Team Edison, in which they're really driving hard a battery strategy in our portfolio. And that really helps because we're going to take our battery programs globally and get that scale, get that value to the customer, and we'll have another EcoBoost 2.0 type of system with the batteries where it becomes more, much more affordable to customers versus where they've been before. Solid state or anything exotic like that? Um, solid state is still under development. There's the, the lithium-ion battery world has progressed nicely. There's a lot of capability there. Um, it's how we partner with our supplier partners to get the right scale, breakpoints, volumes, make that good value now, and then when solid state is ready and mature to get its volume breakpoint, we'll go to that as well. And I'm assuming other OEMs are probably looking at the same thing. Well, I think, uh, John, you had an intriguing piece uh, this week uh, with Sandy Monroe, uh, sort of his second shot at the Tesla Model 3, and he was claiming that that's a profitable vehicle from what they're looking at. Correct. Now, you know, you got to separate profitability of the corporation uh, versus just the profitability of the vehicle itself. And, and he's talking gross profit, not, not net profit. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, what Sandy is saying is that uh, a 50,000 Model 3 like you're going to buy, Henry, yeah. uh, has a uh, greater than 30% gross profit margin. Even the base model, Sandy claims, based on his teardown and analysis of the car, uh, would deliver a double-digit profit, maybe 18% or something like that. Which but, is very uh, healthy in this business. It is, but it, it gets back to what David was talking about, scale. And we all know that uh, Tesla's been struggling to hit its uh, uh, manufacturing target. But if it does hit it, uh, Sandy's analysis would suggest that they could make some good money on that car. Hmm. They're just not there yet. Yeah, and I think for all the OEMs, including Ford, um, we see a path forward for profitability on BEV vehicles. Yeah. Right, we just need to get that recipe, you know, sorted out again with our supplier partners, with the volume in the marketplace, with a good wide buy to the customers. So right? let me try to pin you down. Sure. 2022, 2025. When do you think you can be profitable with a battery electric? I don't know the exact timing. We're working. We're working on all those elements, but but in that time frame. I mean, you're not talking about 2030 or no, no. It'll, 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 it will be in that time frame. Um, and we're again, talking about net profits, not gross profits. <laughs> yeah, and and again, um, what really dictates this? Uh, the battery or electric vehicles that are out there are great products. Other OEMs provide. We've had a Ford-focused battery electric vehicle. We've learned a lot from. It really needs to show the why buy that a customer to let them give that revenue premium or pricing to go with it to justify it. Otherwise. Customers are not going to want to spend the you know, extra money for the technology. So it's the entire experience of the BEV, and you highlighted some of the performance elements, but there's other elements that we're, we are tying into it as well. But you put all the right recipe together, like we've done in the past on a number of our programs, 22 to 25 um, time frame is probably is a good, rate, is a okay. good estimate. Good. Uh, speaking of alternative powertrains, let's talk fuel cells for the moment. Uh, Toyota... Hyundai, uh, Honda, and General Motors all seem to be very bullish on uh, fuel cell cars. In fact, uh, Toyota, Honda, and Hyundai sell fuel cell cars, albeit in very limited numbers on the West Coast. Mm. 
But Ford had a, a joint venture with Daimler that you guys recently dissolved. Yep. Is that a sign that you're giving up on fuel cells um, or what? Yep, not at all. Um, it was a good partnership, but I think we decided that we were at a point where we wanted to go on our own on the strategy. I think, again, um, fuel cells provide another great technology opportunity for zero emissions, just like batteries do. And we need to figure out how to get its breakpoints on the scale and the volume so that it gets a cost structure right, especially in the right applications. And especially in the heavier vehicles, um, where battery range may be a, a challenge, um, a fuel cell is a good alternative. But then you have other challenges as well as far as the storage system, the infrastructure, the refuel. And if you have uh, closed sites, um, like Long Island, Bo uh, uh, the ports at Long, uh, Long Beach, sorry, um, that, that's an opportunity to get the infrastructure for hydrogen refueling. But that's another challenge. So other OEMs are working on this space, and we conti we'll continue to do so as well. But again, is where, where do you reach the breakpoint on hydrogen and a fuel cell so that it's good value to the customer? How about some other uh, just rapid-fire future technologies that are coming out there? Uh, HCCI, you know, Mazda just came out with former yep. partners of you guys. Yep. Variable compression. You guys working on any of those ideas Isn't on the ice great space? great that, you know, I've, I've been a powertrain person for over 25 years, and we've had all these technologies kind of on the sidelines, but... They, they are just coming in so fast now, right? And it's great because um, be it not only the hardware systems, what we're developing with our supplier partners, but the control systems. Software has really accelerated in the past five yeah. years that now enable these technologies. Maybe it was more of a challenge before. So it uh, sounds like some of our um, competitors are making strides in that area as well. But I see a lot more to come as far as new technology, technologies that we had on the sidelines that couldn't get across the line. I think we're going to see the breakthroughs come, in, come shortly from a number of OEMs, including Ford, because be it BEV, be it the CO2 requirements, be it ICE needs, these technologies are coming at a quick pace, and it's, it's so much fun. Again, to be a Ford engineer right now to be working on these things, it's just great times. Well, Dave, Dave the, the other big field out there that's developing is autonomous. Um, uh, vehicles. How do you, as a powertrain guy, how do you look at autonomous? I mean, there's sort of an assumption in the media today that's going to be all electric, that you're going to have these herds of, of, uh, of, of electric uh, pods out there. They're all going to go back to the nest and recharge and go back in the street. <laughs> I mean, how, how, what, what's the autonomous uh, uh, challenge to you? Again, great times. Um, we, we have a great plan with autonomous. We're making great strides there. And again, for autonomy, I think it's going to come in waves. And um, our strategy is, is to bring autonomous to market quickly. And we have to make sure, and with autonomous, there is a big, I'll say, electrical draw on the system to operate. Yeah. So we have to look at the, what is the right combination of what propulsion systems are needed to support that vehicle, its duty cycle, and its operating requirements. And do you have like a closed area as like a vehicle pool or fleet delivery or something like that? Um, I think from a powertrain or propulsion system standpoint, hybrids, plug-in hybrids and BEVs could be a combination of offerings depending on those duty cycles and needs. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at powertrain from the 40,000 foot industry-wide viewpoint. This is an industry that struggles to improve its profit margins. It's a very capital-intensive business. Sergio Marchioni from FCA several years ago suggested that 
uh, car companies start consolidating things. One of the things he uh, zeroed in on was powertrain. Mm -hmm. And when I look at it, the Ford Motor Company makes a four-cylinder, two-liter engine. General mm -hmm. Motors makes a four-cylinder, two-liter engine. Mm -hmm. Fiat Chrysler makes a four-cylinder, two-liter engine. Do you see any opportunity for the industry to start consolidating powertrain operations? Actually, on powertrain, we've had synergies and partnerships with a number of, OEM, a number of other OEMs over the years. So my experience, I've worked in Europe. Um, we have a partnership with PSA on diesel engines. That's been there for over 15 years, and that's worked out great. Um, I also started a number of years back the joint program with General Motors on the transmissions, so 10 speeds and 8 speed, 9 speeds. Um, I kicked that off, and that's another, again, sharing that, that the OEMs have around powertrain. Um, I think that will continue, and I've, I've seen others um, look for those synergies. And we recently announced from Ford we are exploring opportunities with Volkswagen as well. So, and I could say the powertrain is on, on the portfolio as far as what sharing opportunities. Because, like you highlight, John, this is such an asset-intensive industry, very capital cost-intensive. And for us to pay for the broader portfolio, we still have to spend the money on the ice, but then how do you spend the money on the electrified? So we're, we're probably all trying to figure out how to balance our books and, and prioritize where we want to spend our monies, but at the same time, we're sharing opportunities. We've done that in the past, and I think we'll continue to do that for powertrain. Where would you share with Volkswagen and powertrain? We're still exploring those opportunities and synergies. I had to What's ask, sorry. I know. <laughs> um, again, we're in the exploratory phase, and uh, we've worked with Volkswagen before at the vehicle level, and uh, we've had partnerships with them in the past. So um, I think towards the end of the year, ne early next year, we will have some clarity to be able to share with, uh, with the rest of the world what things that we're going to be working on together. Okay. Yeah, there's, 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 there's still there's so much emotion in, in powertrain. I mean, uh, I was in a Mustang recently, and a Mustang V8 sounds like nothing Isn't that else. great? But I, I, I recently tested a, a Tesla Model S mm. and a Jaguar I-Pace back-to-back, mm. both very capable 90-kilowatt-hour battery uh, uh, luxury cars, but they feel the same. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no real emotion there. You get great torque, but there's no emotion mm -hmm. in that drivetrain. I mean, uh, um, do, do you think that's something that's going to preserve the ICE engine? Is just that people love getting into a V8 and just feeling that rumble under their uh, uh, in in the uh, in think, the car? I think you are. You're always going to have in the marketplace the diehard V8 customers, and that's great. We we love them, and we'll hopefully, always have a product for them one way or another. Um, and as electrification comes through. That's an area that I, I know we're going to be able to highlight our Ford brand and our Ford DNA. Um, you know, we've highlighted that we, we're going to be launching an all-new electric vehicle, fully BEV vehicle, and it's Mustang-inspired. Mm -hmm. It's Mustang-inspired. And I could tell you that the Mustang inspiration is not just the styling. It's going to be some of the sound quality that comes with it as well. And that's part of the DNA. It's and a I think piece of Mustang. It, it is. So I think we'll be able to, with, again, with the technologies that are available out there, um, we'll be able to integrate that with the electrification and still deliver the Ford brand and DNA to customers know and love. Yeah, I mean, that's hard for Jaguar. You do a Jaguar I-Pace, and where's the growl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It doesn't sound like a Jaguar, right? Uh, the animal, that is. Look, we're going to have to wrap this up. But Dave Philippe, Vice President of Powertrain at the Ford Motor Company, thanks so much for coming Thank on. Thank you, John. Show. Very interesting discussion here, and we only barely scratched the surface. Also, thanks to you, Henry Payne from the Detroit News and Frank Marcus from Motor Trend. Great having the both of thanks, you guys John. here. And as I always end the show, thank you for tuning in. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by Borg Warner. 
The world is changing at an ever-increasing pace. No matter what the mode of transportation, there is always the need for an efficient propulsion system. And that's exactly what Borg Warner has been doing since the earliest days of the automotive industry. We create innovative mobility technologies that reduce energy consumption and emissions while improving performance. Our proven track record has made us an industry leader in forward-looking propulsion solutions for combustion, hybrid, and electric vehicles.